And now, another cup of... The London Fog. That's right. We're back two weeks in a row. You didn't I believe know. us when we said we were back, but we were telling the <laughs> truth. <laughs> I almost didn't believe it, um, but then I told my family, and they're all like, "You have to, you have to get back to it." So I can't believe you almost didn't believe it. It's one thing for our listeners to not believe it, but if we don't believe it ourselves, that's the problem. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, we were just we're starting. I had a little bit of beginners getting back into it. Feet. I guess it's not really beginners' feet, but. It's been over a year. I know. We're almost to 50 episodes. Did you see that? I think this is episode 49. So 50 is going to have to be a big one. So I'm just calling it now. 50 will be a big one. Don't say that. I feel like anytime we say that, that's when, that's when we start to have problems. It's like it's the big one because we forgot to record it or something. It's true. It's true. Or the pressure was too too Pressure much. was too much. So we just canceled the whole thing. But I feel like we, I don't know, we'll make a cute little episode. It's going to be great. Yeah. I will silence my phone now so that we all know that I'm not getting emails. <laughs> oh, goodness. Much has happened in the world. We still yeah. have COVID. But, but, you know. I feel like our goal was to only talk about happy things. So we can't do our regular, like, news section right. in the beginning because the news is all bad. <laughs> I know it's such a bummer, but you know, life is getting a new energy about what I've dubbed. I mean, it's not a new phrase, but new normal, you know, I'm getting really used to taking my lunch, you know, break quote. It's never really a break. I never know when it's going to be, but taking like 20 minutes in the middle of my day, cause it is beautiful springtime and going on a walk in the middle of my, you know, work day. And then I go on a run at the end of my day. That's true. People are way more, well, actually, I don't know. Some people are way more active. I feel like if you're inclined to be active, you're way more active. But if you're not someone who's usually active, you're like using the sin as an excuse not to be. (laughs) Which both are fine. (laughs) I feel like I see more people out on the trails and I see more people out walking their dogs than I ever did. And I think I was decently active before we all went into quarantine. So. I don't know. Just just saying. Everybody's getting out more, which I think is nice because, like, the human spirit is, like, being voiced up. <laughs> and we're here to offer more voicing material. Yes. So this week we have a topic. We're back on our topics. We are. And we're bringing you some romance. Yeah, because Leah and I were talking about it and we're – we're definitely going to keep the, the next couple of these, and I think we mentioned on our last episode, lighthearted, fun, happy, though I have to say my romance kind of ends, I, it's just bizarre. But yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't good. say mine is a lighthearted romance. I guess we picked romance because we thought they would be we lighthearted. We would be happy, <laughs> and then they start beautifully, but <laughs> every romance, no matter how beautiful it is, People die, you know, yeah. and always but a bummer. But there's always some happiness at some point. Right. They share <laughs> that moment of life. So we're going to focus kind of on those things. But also, everybody dies. Everybody poops. So, you know, circle of life kind of thing. <laughs> Do we have any news out in the world that is not a massive bummer? No. 
I think we just need to get to it. <laughs> I love how quickly that came. Mm, no. <laughs> I don't even think that like newspapers are reporting good news anymore. Good news. Well, I was talking with my roommate who had mentioned that, do you know uh, Stephen Sondheim's company, the musical company? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I do, actually. It is a really fun musical about a guy that's, I think he's inching towards 40. I don't remember his exact age, but it's pretty much all of his friends telling him, why aren't you married yet? Uh, and they just redid it and it first opened in London and Patti LuPone stars in it, but they've revamped it where it is a woman. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I was listening to some of the, the music from it and really, really beautiful. It's kind of fun twist on, um, I don't know, just having a woman in this crazy role and kind of everybody now telling a woman, like, now it's about time that you get married. And I thought it was very, I don't know, 21st century that a woman can now be the one kind of wearing the pants saying, like, well, I've chosen not to get married all this time. And now all of her friends are coming around saying, like, well, maybe you should try, you know. <laughs> so opened in London, Patty Lapone, big star. We love her. Um you know, she was the original um, Evita in Weber's, Andrew Lloyd Weber's musical. And she has a beautiful song in it that's really fun uh, called Ladies Who Lunch. So you should check it out. All right. P.S. Yeah. I also haven't had uh, a cup of tea in a while and it's about time. I think the world just needs a cup of tea, right? I was going to say, actually, that we used to always talk about what tea we were drinking, but we also used to record on Saturday mornings, so we were drinking tea, but now that it's like evening time, all of the kinds of tea that I like are caffeinated, so I'm not drinking that at night. (laughs) I need to get some good like nighttime herbal so if you have, if any of our listeners or Yulia, if you have a suggestion, I definitely could use it. So I feel like right now that's the world's a little bit crazy. Just sit back with your cup of tea and listen to Leah and I's romances. <laughs> All right. We better get started. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go first today because I think mine may be slightly less of a, I don't know. I think they're going to be about the same. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Somebody we'll, loves. We'll try not to be bummers. <laughs> so, I think my very first romance was about my favorite, Victoria and Albert. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of was trying to go back and reminisce, like, what could be as good as that? But as I was looking this up, I stumbled across something that I never knew anything about. So I got a lot of my information, yes, from Wikipedia, don't judge me, the Sunday Post, the Times, and a book called The Mrs. Brown Story. So uh, mine is about Queen Victoria and her relationship with John Brown after Albert. So this was almost the episode where we had we picked the same thing I mean I didn't but I actually did a bunch of research into that and I almost did that 
and then I switch. <laughs> well, good thing that we have two different things, and but now you can like chime in and tell me anything that I miss it. Perfect. Because it is, I don't know, I was just really surprised. Um, because of course I've I think all of us have grown in this idea that you know Victoria and Albert's love was so lasting and so strong and she was in mourning and wore black for 40 years after her life I don't know I actually thought that I I kind of figured it was just like a power move like why would I marry another man like I'm the most powerful woman in the world (laughs) like they forced forced me to get married once because they didn't think I could rule on my own and now I'm going to show them pretty much you know and I totally agree with that because I mean, everything that I've read, I don't get me wrong. I think there was a relationship here. What kind of a relationship is up to anybody to interpret? But let's be honest. I mean, she lost her husband when she was in her 30s. Like, the girl's going to still need some com- kind of companionship. Let's call it that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's nice to have it like some affection from a male. So I don't know how romantic like physically romantic or however you want to say it, how much love there was in this romantic uh in this relationship but there's definitely there's definitely some deep admiration for each other so obviously we know queen victoria uh john brown though came to work for victoria and albert back in 19 oh sorry <laughs> back in 1861 that's the year that albert had died and he had been working there at the balmore castle for quite some time working as a sheep herder and working especially with the horses so he was just a stable guy which there's a scottish word that i cannot pronounce g-h-i-l-l-i-e gilly (laughs) um aka stable guy so he had been working on the grounds for a little bit of time before albert's death and victoria had paid him attention but once albert had passed she grew into a very deep mourning So after about two years of Albert passing, the doctor says, you need to go back out into society and back into life. And she had always had an admiration for animals. So the first thing that she thinks, okay, I can handle riding my horse. So Queen Victoria gets used to riding her horse with her children and going on usually a daily ride. Uh, one day, though, her horse pitches her off at where she was kind of has a, a concussion of a sort. They say that she sprained her, her finger that always remained crooked until the day that she died. Um, and But at that time, this is when John finds her and kind of picks her up, rides her back to uh, Windsor for her to seek medical attention. And she remembers this act of kindness. About uh, two months after the injury, same doctor comes back and says and orders her, like, you got to keep riding. That's the best way that's going to, like, 
I don't understand this <laughs> logic, but it's like it, when you have a hangover, have a beer in the morning, this is going to be the best way to heal your injuries is to go back to what you were doing. <laughs> so he's like, no, you got to get back on the horse. So she continues to ride. Uh, they've now gone up into the highlands at this point. And so obviously John Brown being Scottish, uh, takes her along on more trails. She says that she was pretty nervous to go alone. So uh, a stranger would make me nervous, but now that I'm weak and nervous, I'm very dependent on someone to be with me. And in him, I have come, I've become accustomed to, and in whom I have high confidence is what she has said of John Brown in those early days. So by um, a couple of months more past, about four months, it's now February, and she uh, is going on this daily ride with John, and this romance kind of sparks. I mean, he's tall, he's handsome, he's Scottish, so he's, he's broad and he's rugged, you know, kind of very different than what we see pictures of Albert, kind of being a really tall, kind of skinnier yeah. man. <laughs> nerd <laughs> but it's kind of like going from a you know cumberbatch kind of situation to like a thor hemsworth hemsworth is that their last name yeah yes perfect <laughs> like kind of a difference one of them is a little stockier a little bit more muscle on him and the other one's a little bit leaner both handsome and attractive and I'm sure both treated her very well so um she starts going around quite often with John and this starts to kind of cause a big commotion amongst her court and politicians and even her own children grow accustomed to calling John uh, mama's lover as the kids would write in their own diary. So uh, she always said that she dismissed this as chatter, as ill-natured gossip in the higher classes. But obviously something I think was going on between them because she and he really start to care for one another. She gives him multiple uh, titles to show her her admiration uh, and she also bestows upon him land. So gets quite a bit of, of good stuff out of the deal. And the fact is, is I think he cares for her as well. Um, back in 2004. So I know that seems like not so recent for some of our listeners, but for me, it feels like it was yesterday. So, you know, um, <laughs> she, the queen herself, we discovered uh, a piece of diary that had been that, well, a letter that had been sent from Victoria to the Vicomte of Cranbrook. And she says, uh, of John Brown, perhaps never in history was there so strong and true an attachment, so warm and loving a friendship between the sovereign and servant, strength of character as well as power of frame, the most fearless uprightness, kindness, sense of justice, honesty, independence, and unselfish combined with a tender warm heart made him one of the most remarkable men the queen feels that life for the second time is being most trying and sad to bear deprived of all of all she 
so needs. So she obviously compares him to the same level as Albert. Um, so, I mean, they definitely had something going on, don't you think, after everything that you read? Well, also, I mean, she erected a statue of him yeah. <laughs> at the castle, um, which everybody should look up. Just Google John Brown statue Balmoral. Um because he definitely looks like I don't know why I keep bringing up Outlander, but if you watch Outlander, he does. He no, he like James Fraser with a beard was an old man. <laughs> I mean, not that old. He's like fifty something when he died. Um, but it's also, Bala, Balmoral is where it is. Balmoral grounds or castle. Yeah. So I mean, you don't just like erect a statue of anybody on a castle grounds (laughs) right and there's also in the um in the archive in britain there is an oil painting that she had someone sit and paint herself and john like she's on the horse you know so it's everything like proper it's not them hand in hand you know it's supposed to be like sovereign servant but the fact of the matter is is really like yeah who gets a painting right you're not gonna go and just pick like a a regular you know handmaid or something and be like stand in this painting with me so yeah and also yeah like during his life she had like another one of her servants like trace his family tree to see if he was like related to more prestigious clans in scotland which he was and she was super happy about she was thrilled why would she care about that if not you know right well I think the big like hubbub of the whole thing that people are curious to know number one they have this very tight relationship was there has been suspicion that they actually got married so this is a stretch bear with me (laughs) <laughs> so in the di- diaries of Lewis Harcourt, um, he has a report that came from the Reverend Norman McLeon, uh, made it, he, so the Reverend made a deathbed confession saying Victoria, uh, had married John and that he was repenting of that action because the queen should have never remarried. Now, there's a lot of debate over this report because the report is so passed down. So it it wasn't, I mean, this is in the diary of Lewis Harcourt, who heard it from the Reverend's sister's wife. Wait, the Red, uh, (laughs) sorry, the, the Reverend's sister, who was the wife of some other dignitary, like private secretary of state who was friends with Lewis Harcourt's father that Mm. he remembers (laughs) this being heard when he was nine years old. So people believe that that is suspect enough. Like, I'm sorry. I don't remember something anyone said when I was nine. There's no way. (laughs) Right. And a lot of other things would make me believe it, but that's not one of them. (laughs) It's, it's a long stretch. I, I felt it was, there was a lot going on to make that work. But uh, after about 
20 years. They spent 18 years together, which was the same amount of time that Victoria and Albert spent together. Mm-hmm. So like I said, it was like a second death for her. He passes away um, March 27th of 1883 at just the age of 56. And it was at Windsor Castle. He went, he caught a cold but the cold turned into something terrible. I looked up the what the virus did, and it like makes your whole body bloat. So like he ended up just swelling, like his face, his eyelids, his lips, like from a cold. Um, ended up passing away like two days after it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so. He passes away. She erects like a beautiful gravestone for him that is very, um, I don't know, uh, very, I don't know. It's not, more than not than just friends, more than just you're my servant. If you're, well, I mean, also she wouldn't would, care yeah. <laughs> getting somebody a headstone, let alone saying that friend on whose fidelity you count, that friend given to you by circumstance over which you have no control was God's own gift. Just saying. It just seems like a bit much. Well, also there's the rumor that she was buried with his mother's wedding ring on her right hand. taking my things. Yes. I thought thought you were ending with that. No. Um, So when Queen Victoria dies... There, yes, I, I guess it's rumored, but there's not too much rumor because there has been proven lists on multiple accounts of people taking record of what was put in the coffin with her. So the list has included keepsakes and mementos, photographs of her children and Albert, and trinkets that had been um, passed down to her. Albert's dressing gown. This woman, this thing had to be huge because it's stock full of crap. Albert's <laughs> dressing gown uh, and a caster uh, and a plaster cast of his hand. But then the queen was also buried with a lock of John's hair, his photograph, and Brown's mother's wedding ring that Brown had given to her, plus several letters. And the photograph was wrapped in white tissue paper and was placed under her left hand so that, and then they put flowers in her hand to hide the fact that she was holding a picture of John and they arranged the finger to be worn on her third finger on her right hand so people wouldn't get too suspicious. And so Although, who's getting suspicious? How many people are looking in this casket that's full of crap? (laughs) Exactly. I think by that point, when they're, you know, viewing the body, they'd be like, girl, what else do you need in here? (laughs) (laughs) It's not the Egyptian times. You can't really take these things with you. (laughs) Just a good, some good poems and a novel or whatever else. So that is... I guess the second kind of romance, friendship, bond, it's a bit bizarre, but of Queen Victoria and John Brown. All right. That's a happy story, sort of. It's a decent. It's, it's pretty happy, a little, a little weird. His, the fact that, yeah. I don't know, I, I kind of wanted to live in my fairy, fairy tale that 
she had always lived Albert, but the fact is, is I mean, she lived she way so longer young. than him. Like, yeah, like you can't, you can't expect that. <laughs> Just to hang on for, and, and she then lives for like another 20 years past John Brown. So yeah, I, she's burying way too many people. Girl needs to have some loving. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, all right. Is that everything? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to like interrupt with anything else of your story. No, that is it. So I'm ready to hear your romance. Go. Okay. As, as predicted, even though this one time you did go back into history, I had to beat you and go back even further. (laughs) Of course you did. I'm going back to Edward II. He was born in 1284, died in 1327. So he became king in 1307. Um, Okay. So we're taking it way back. So this is the romance of Edward II and Piers, Piers, is that how you say that name? I don't even know, Piers, Gaveston, the first Earl of Cornwall. Um, so this is a, I guess, rumored, st- rumored love story or not, because some people don't want to admit that the king would be in love with a man um but it seems pretty pretty sure that this is a real story (laughs) i think it was a lot more common than we take for that we care to think about at the time yeah men were known and this is fact not you know getting gross about it but men women children it was all his right to you know love on and have relationships with whoever he wanted so I'm not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So King Edward and Pierce Gaveston. So there, I guess, what was like the first or kind of most blatant of a king and a man. So it's, there were, they were very uh, infamous in their time. Um, Mm. So they met back when, they were around 15. Like the king was like 15. I think Piers was like 16. Um, His father was a like knight for King Edward the first. So he was living in the castle and they uh, became friends and then they became closer than friends. Um, And so actually by the time they were like 20, King Edward I banished Piers to France. Um, he was punishing Prince Edward, and he just didn't, like, he thought they were too blatant, and so he didn't mm. want them around. Um, so he banished him to France. He was actually banished pretty well. I mean, he had a lot of gifts. They paid for his life in France. <laughs> um, yeah, I so. want to get in trouble with somebody that's all like go to your room but we'll provide you with netflix <laughs> yeah foot massage <laughs> so he so he was banished to france until edward the first died about a year later and as soon as he died uh edward the second brought gaveston back to the uk and i guess it wasn't the uk then whatever it was england um <laughs> and yeah. made him the earl of cornwall so um one chronicler of that time wrote that upon looking at him, the 
Gaveston, the son of the king, immediately felt such love for him that he entered into a covenant of constancy and bound with bound himself with him before all other mortals with a bond of indissoluble love. Um, So they were, you know, obviously very close. However, right around the same time that he brings him back from France um, is like when Edward is becoming king and he needed to secure the succession because he was actually, I think the fourth son of Edward the first. So his older brothers all died. And so he had to get married um, and so he he formed a political union with Isabella of France. Um, it was it was very awkward, I guess, because um, when he left to go to France to meet Isabella and marry her, he left Gaveston in charge of the kingdom, which really upset a lot of people um, who thought that they you know they should have been left in charge of the kingdom. <laughs> And then also, while he was in France, he really embarrassed Isabella and her family because he basically ignored her the whole time. Like, he was just there to get married because he had to. He didn't really care about her at all. Um, So he marries Isabella, brings her back. When he arrives, it says that he was finally reunited with Gavison, and he runs up to him and showers him with kisses. Um... Somebody else wrote, I do, I do not remember to have heard that one man so loved another. So the new queen didn't know about this before she married him. She was pretty upset. Um, <laughs> and she, and anyway, she was not happy. She yeah, told no her. Joe, you just yeah. get married. She's probably young. Let's be honest. They're always young. Yeah, exactly. And you realize that your life has just amounted to you being married off to somebody that's never going to love you. Yeah, like you, I mean, it's like, you know that you're being like married to this person, you know, for political purposes, but you don't really realize until you see this. Um, so anyway, so she is upset about it. She tells her dad. So her dad... Um, pays off some of the the earls to have Gaveston removed from power. So they're trying to remove him from power. Eventually, Edward and Isabella do have a son because that was the whole reason he married her. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, like, me. <laughs> that's his whole purpose. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as Edward III is born, all of these barons who've been being paid off by Isabella's father were like hey you need to get rid of this Gavison he has too much power he's going to make things hard for your son eventually they win and Gavison flees back to France um and after he left the king realized he couldn't live without him so he decides that he's going to let him return to England um at that time the northern earls that are being paid off by Isabella's dad attack because they just feel like he has too much power and, you know, he can't be coming back. You said he was exiled. Why did you let him back? So <laughs> they attack, they force. So the king, Gavison, and then Isabella, who's pregnant again, all have to flee the city. Um, and they actually, the earls are able to capture Gavison and they actually capture him and execute him as a traitor. Even though, like, obviously he was not a traitor. He was in love with the king. So 
he's executed as a traitor. Edward is distraught. Um, he swears revenge on everyone, on all the people who had anything to do with killing him. Um, yeah. I'm not good that your lover got killed, but like, can't we all just get along? Yeah. So he, um, so I guess he is distracted because there's a war in Scotland. So he kind of forgets about, um, needing to avenge his lover's yeah, death. Yeah. Ooh, both of our stories. I already know the name of our episode. It's going to be forbidden lovers. <laughs> <laughs> well, so interestingly, he actually finds another lover. Um, and they weren't as close, but I think the fact but the fact that he found another lover made all of the like barons and dukes and everyone like really upset. And at this Dare point, I ask, you know, not to be, you know, so not with it or something, another guy or was it a mm-hmm. woman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another man. Um, okay. So the only woman he was with was his queen, Isabella. Isabella. Got it. Because he had to be. Um, so, so anyway, I think it was like, I think it was like the queen and like the the dukes and everyone, they were like, when it was just the one, they were like, okay, he loves him. They've been together since they were like 15. Like maybe we can kind of deal with this. But the queen, especially when he met someone else was like, whoa, hold on. Like now I have to be okay with another person. So at that point, she bands together with all the people who were trying to get rid of Gaveston. I mean, she kind of was already on their side anyway, but now she's been queen for longer, so she has a little more power. And basically, they uh, hang his new lover, they force Edward to abdicate, imprison him, and his son becomes king. So, And they they eventually kill him just a couple of years after they imprison him because they decided that the fact that he exists was a threat to the kingdom. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the story of Edward and Pierce. Oh man. Love. It killed, it got them doozy. both killed. It got them both killed. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, uh, no, no, I was trying to, to make a twist and make it seem like that sometimes that happens, but that should not happen. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, sometimes it does happen, but yeah, hopefully it I does mean, happen. it's definitely kind of like a Romeo and Juliet kind of a thing. Can't mm-hmm. can't have it, and so you know, did the did the kids really kill themselves, or did society kill them? So, yeah. <laughs> um, well, that was a good one. I had no idea that Edward II was a homosexual. Yep. Hmm. The things you learn by listening to the London Fog. Listen to us. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm also trying to realize that you and I are the worst about introducing our oh, podcast. You're right. We didn't. We never <laughs> say what people are listening to. Obviously, I mean, you tapped on it. You found it. You know, you you see the logo. You know what it is. Yeah. Um, but, but actually, I mean, some people, they have their... I mean, you think once they hear our voices, they would know. But, you know, you right. have all your podcasts that download automatically and you just listen to them in a row. So you probably do want to hear what you're like. Oh, yeah, this is what oh, that yeah. is. I remember. But at least we have the trumpets, which will always proclaim our entrance. <laughs> yes. So the trumpets are how you know. We don't have to tell you. <laughs> right. Well, is that all we have for today? 
that is all we have. So thank you for listening. Um, yeah, and... we'll definitely have more coming up here soon. Leah and I made this recording kind of closer to our last one to keep accountable for the fact that we are going to keep on top of the podcast. Yes, and um, we so are. We'll definitely have more little tidbits of news probably with our next episode. I don't know. As long as the news is depressing, I don't plan to have much news. <laughs> we'll, we'll, you, you know what? We'll search for happy some thing. happy news. We'll search for some happy news. You know, a firefighter got that cat out of that tree. But or, only if it happened in the UK. <laughs> exactly. Or your nephew Blarney just learned to make his first trifle. These are all of the most British things I can think of. Unfortunately, neither of us have British nephews so that story won't be happening but But a girl can dream all right guys thanks so much for listening to the london fog we'll see you next time see you next time cheers cheers